next is the Word of God. So if you could grab your Bible and turn to Luke 11, um, the first four verses. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Okay, so it's, it's the week of prayer has been mentioned, and um, as such, we're not going to devote so much time to unpacking the Word of God as we would normally. Just going to spend 10 minutes together to think about what, that's, what we just heard read, and then we're actually going to pray. Uh, so giving more time to praying together this morning. Uh, my name's Daniel, I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, it's a joy to look at the year ahead together and think about some of the things that Jesus has told us. A few years ago, I was in Sweden, and um, I'm an early riser, and I think that is compounded when you're in Sweden and the sun rises at 1 a.m. <laughs> and sets at about 12.30. So you get about 30 minutes of, of night. Um, so I'm up early, kind of sitting on the porch, uh, drinking my coffee, and there's one other guy who's up at that time. Uh, we, we don't know each other, but we spot that we're both kindred spirits devoted to coffee and early mornings. So he comes, sits on my porch, and we begin to talk. And he's drinking his coffee, and I'm drinking my coffee, and we're total strangers. And um, I notice that this Swede has a cup of coffee in one hand. For those who can't imagine that. (laughs) And uh, a hunk of what looks to me like meat in the other hand. Like, literally, imagine a cartoon leg of lamb or something from the butchers. That's literally what he had in his hand. A bone with meat, must have been smoked or cured or something. It's not hot steaming, it's, it's cold, and it's like a sort of a cured ham or something. And. This is odd behavior, first thing in the morning, with your coffee. I mean, I'm thinking croissants, you know, you know cinnamon rolls, I guess, in Sweden. Um, no, you know, he's got a hunk of elk in one hand. <laughs> and um, it gets worse. Because he then takes out a pocket knife and starts to shave this meat into his coffee. <laughs> Okay, so here he is, like obviously gifted with this penknife. He could, you know, whittle at degree level. And he's shaving it off, dipping it, dropping it into his coffee. And he's drinking his coffee black, so I can see that there's this layer of fat beginning to congeal on top of this otherwise pleasant looking coffee. And so. You know, and he's just getting on with it, as if, well, what else would you be doing at this time of the morning? And as we talk, it transpires that he is an elk herder, and whilst I've come way north to be there, he has come way south 
to be there. And normally he spends his day-to-day -day life deep into the Arctic Circle looking after his elk. And I have to ask him what he's doing putting meat into his coffee. And he corrects me to say, no, this is pure fat. Okay? And basically, in the Arctic Circle, you need all the calories you can get. So you just add fat to everything. And he was thin as a rake. Thin as a rake, but just piling in. This, you know, this coffee is not going to give me enough calories unless I can put lots and lots of extra fat into it. It was important to him. He had grown up doing it. I guess in this day and age, you could get calories, you know, different ways. Eat more Mars bars or Kendall mint cakes or something. You didn't have to, you know, ice cream early in the morning or something. Um, but I noticed something that he was doing, and he had a very good reason for doing what he was doing. And we see that here at the beginning of this story. One day, Jesus was praying. So Jesus was just doing something, like this elk herder was just doing something. I'm not making a big show of it. I'm not trying to persuade anyone about anything. I'm just getting on with my life. Jesus, too, was just doing something. But it prompts his disciple to say, Lord, teach us to pray. It was interesting that Glenn said last week, those of you who were here last week would have heard that Jesus was asked hundreds of questions in the New Testament, and he asked questions as well. But he didn't answer very many questions. Maybe this was one. Glenn said there were three questions he actually answered in the New Testament. Maybe this is one of the ones he actually answered. Because Jesus goes on to tell them why he does what he does. This is a kind of why do you put fat in your coffee moment. What's going on here? And the disciple, just to be really pedantic, didn't say, teach us how to pray. Although some translations do that, that's not actually what the question was. The question was, don't teach me how to pray. The question was, teach me to pray. Those are different things. So my son can come up to me and say, teach me how to tie my shoelace. Bam, 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 like that. I have answered his question. I've taught him how to do it, but I haven't actually taught him to do it. I haven't brought him to the place where he is doing it. Does that make sense? There's a difference. And we need to be careful with just how-to answers. Teach us to pray, because they'd seen him praying and praying and praying and praying. If you've read the New Testament, you have seen that Jesus prays early in the morning. He takes himself away to be alone many, 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 many times consistently. And this has had an impact on them. So he says to them, this is how we should pray. And with the short time that we've got available, I just want you to notice really a few things. And chief among them would be that the Lord's Prayer is not for children. It's not primarily for children. You know, the stereotype of churches is that, you know, church is all archy-archy. Children's work at church is all Noah built the archy-archy, and school is all algebra. 
and Pythagoras, that somehow in church we kind of dumb it down, and at school they expect more. Let's not, let's not dumb this Lord's Prayer down into kind of a nursery rhyme. These are the senior disciples and the senior apostles in the Jesus movement. They are being taught how to pray. So this is serious, serious stuff. This is the zenith of how to relate to God. And on the sheet, if you've got it, I've amalgamated the two, the two tellings from Matthew and Luke. So you can see Luke is in purple and Matthew is in the lighter blue. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This isn't a, a magic formula. This is an archetype. This is a for example. Here are some major themes that we can draw into our prayer life. But these are really critical, key, important components that we relate to God as our Father, that it's a relational conversation. As a church pastor, I'm often asked about people's marriage relationships. What would you do in this situation? What would we do in that situation? And I'm always really loath to answer it with examples from my life because my relationship with my wife and your relationship with your husband or wife will be different. We relate differently to each other. And obviously there are things that are right and things that are wrong, but there's a massive, massive range which falls into normal, good relating. And it's the same with our relationship with God. So be yourself in prayer, but do pray relationally to a Father who loves you. Worship him. We should be rehearsed at pouring out praise. Uh, one name for this is the Lord's Prayer. Another name for this is the Lord's Psalm. This is Jesus' Psalm given to us. This is how he relates to his Father. But we're also praying for his kingdom. And you can't have a kingdom without... You can't have a kingdom without a king. We come in submission. We come in faith. We come soberly, knowing that if Jesus' kingdom, if the kingdom of God did come on earth as it is in heaven, that would be great joy for those who believe and great sorrow for those who don't. The opening of one door is the closing of another door. We need to pray with sober-mindedness, knowing the absolute sort of epic proportions of what we're actually praying and then it goes from that scale down to give us our daily bread. And because I've been thinking about this, rehearsing it, preparing, I was been stirred recently as we have dinner as a family, you know, fish and chips. Daniel, do you want to pray? Yes. And then, wow, the kids get 10 minutes of me just thanking God for our daily chips and our daily fish and our daily vinegar. And it's like, yeah, didn't, you know, this is so important. Forgive us our sins, we ask him, as we forgive those who sin against us. 
and lead us not into temptation or testing, but deliver us from the evil one. At the beginning of the year, the last two weeks, I've twice been invited by senior um, figures within Christendom to go away and pray at the beginning of the year. So this week I spent two days with a number of people. The week before that I spent two days with a different group of people. And one of them is in his 80s. And he was telling us that the thing he is learning to pray the most is deliver us from the evil one. And that all through his ministry, he's not given that much heed. But now into his 80s, seeing the state of the church and the nation and the nations, and God has impressed upon him this need to cry out to God, deliver us. It, you know, sometimes it's translated the evil one. Sometimes it's translated evil. It's definitive, so it can mean both the evil one we shouldn't just take for granted that we will be delivered from the evil one who is opposing us at every opportunity. But we should cry out to God that he would deliver us, that he would deliver our children, that he would deliver our church, that he would deliver our husbands and wives, our fathers and daughters, fathers and daughters, <laughs> fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. On the back you'll see there's a bunch of you know, tips and tricks maybe just to get you praying. Um, we'll, we'll start praying now. Um, this is not just meant to be prayed. This is meant to be lived. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom agenda. So let me pray for us. Lord, help us to notice what you're doing what's important to you ask you questions about it and learn and become more and more like you be transformed into your likeness truly make ourselves disciples of the master and citizens of the kingdom Lord help us to live the Lord's prayer help us to pray the Lord's prayer help us to actually do it. Help us to know the great graces that are available to us if we pray. In, it, whether we like it or not, you've set up this system where we ask and you answer. You do not have because you do not ask. And Lord, teach us to come to you, the Lord, the Father who loves us, and cry out to you and impress ourselves upon you and to get from you the things that you have to give us. Teach us to pray, Lord. I, don't, I want people to not, to not have to come to other meetings within this church to know that prayer is important to us. This is a house of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen.